was born in the summer of his 27th year Coming home to a place he'd never been before He left yesterday behind him You might say he was born again You might say he found the key for every door When he first came to the mountain Welcome back. To Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a new theme Thursday edition of Ball Don't Lie. That's when Patrick uh, takes songs, uh, certain selections that are supposed to give us clues and hints, breadcrumbs that lead us to the new theme of the day, which is all about the NBA Finals today. And uh, each song is about a player, a storyline, a theme from the NBA Finals, which start tonight. And uh, what's this one about? It's Rocky Mountain, Mountain High. Yeah, okay. Which, fun fact, uh, FCC banned this song for a little bit. Why? Because they... Because it's called Rocky Mountain High, and they thought it was about, about drugs. drugs. And it's not. But they were, they were like, he says hi in the title. It must be about drugs. And uh, then John Denver's like, no, it's like you go outside and experience nature, and you feel a natural high. That's what it's about. But he, so could, like, just, he could just be saying that. He could, but and, this and, is. But that, if you listen to the lyrics of the song, he's basically about, look how beautiful this area is, and, and things are so great. It's not really. It's one of those songs that's not overtly about drugs, but it could be about you drugs. You could turn it to that. Or it's, you could be like, isn't nature beautiful? It's like Puff the Magic Dragon. <laughs> oh, that was about drugs. <laughs> Why you just saying? <laughs> so you're like, what? That's not about drugs. No, like, yeah, that, that was 100% about drugs. <laughs> and some people said, this is about drugs. But yeah, I, yeah, but it, yeah. It's, yeah, but it was just funny. The FCC band, you're like, really this? This is what you were worried about? Corrupting yeah. the youth? Now, but Denver and Ro- obviously Colorado is known for many yes. types of highs, and one of them is the high you get from the sticky icky icky. Yes, but it's mostly about the altitude. Uh, that is also <laughs> yes. yeah. or, you get high from that too. Or the natural high you get when you sweep the Miami Heat in the finals. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not. No, they cannot You're not get going swept. I'm You're not, not going no, all the way there. It's not going to be a sweep. Matter of fact, I'll take Miami to win Game One. How about that one? That's the only game I think they can. Oh man, win. going out <laughs> there. They're gonna win game one. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I think Jimmy Butler can win one, but like I said, I think it might be this one. It might be this one because I don't know if you. This is the Denver Nuggets haven't lost at home. They are gonna be rusty. We all agree to start out because they just haven't played basketball competitively at the most competitive level in a long time because they've been so dominant. They swept their way through pretty much the Western uh, uh, Western Conference. And that rust, like I said, I think it'll last like a quarter or a half. And that may be enough for Miami Heat to get on top, pounce on the Denver Nuggets, catch them by surprise. Jimmy goes off, three-point shooting, still hot. And I think they can do it. But, I, I mean, like I said, it, the, the more the series goes on, the more Denver has – their, their advantages, in my opinion, become almost insurmountable right. for the Miami Heat. Because yeah. the, the, the Miami Heat don't, don't have many. What's the advantages? Let's go through the advantages the Miami Heat have. Jimmy Butler. But you can't even say he's the best player in the series because Jokic is the best player well, in the no, series. Well, no, and the way Jamal, Jamal Murray's, Murray's been playing, been playing he's, too. He's 50-50 like, yeah. the best player at that position. So yes. like, I, I, you can't even say that the best player in the series. They just got Jimmy, and Jimmy is special. Jimmy is special. Yeah. Jimmy. Jimmy Butler can be the best player at that position, but is he going to be every game? Because if Jamal Murray plays like he did against the Lakers, Jamal Murray's going to have some games where he's going to shine bright. Oh, I, I I totally agree with you. And then we got the coaching thing. So Spo, yep. Spo is an advantage. And then you go so you go DNA, you go championship DNA and pedigree. That's the Miami Heat because basically, what in the last since like 2006 they made their first run. Nobody's been to the finals more. 
than yeah. they have. So, and Pat Riley, nobody's been to the finals more as a player, exec, or a coach. Then Pat Riley's been to 25% of the NBA Finals. So if you want to go championship pedigree, experience, and coaching, that may be all the advantages that the Miami Heat have. This is truly – you can't even go David and Goliath. I will go more the suit because David beat Goliath. So I'm not – people are like, oh, no, no, no. I will go Superman versus Batman is a more appropriate – Comparison. <laughs> Here we go with the Marvel. It is. Because right now, Denver seems like Superman. And when you always have that debate, which all nerds have had, and I've had it too, of who would win out of Superman and Batman, it seems like a stupid argument, a stupid yeah, debate. Yeah, it does. Yeah, Superman wins. has all the powers. How can Superman lose? But we all agree Batman's a bad mofo. He and does. Jimmy's a bad mofo. He don't, he don't have laser eyes. Exactly. Yeah. He doesn't have x ray vision. He, he can't, can't see through you. He can't see through you. Yeah. You know what I mean? He doesn't have superhuman strength. All of these advantages that Superman has. Seems like, why are we having this debate? We're having this debate because Batman is respected. All right. He's among, among comic book nerds and among all the people who are into the sci fi world, we respect his, his acumen. Yes. His intellect yes. has no superpowers, but his grit, his fortitude. You know what I mean? He's not an undrafted player. He's a billionaire. So I mean, like, he's got some advantages on his side. But still, he inherited a lot of money, dog. That, <laughs> that's kind of what it reminds me of. I don't yeah. know. Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler uh, lost his parents early on. His parents abandoned him. So kind of there? Kind of Batman? <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Wow. He was that's a man. true. It's part of the story. That makes it who he is. part of the story. That makes it who he is. It shows you who he is, of how tough he is that as is, a person. There you go. Well, there you go. That, Patrick, you, that, I did not take it that far, that deep. That was deep right there. Thank you. He let that, you know. That was deep right there. There you go. All right, let's, let's get back on track here. Because <laughs> Patrick took it to a deep, a dark side <laughs> of the Jimmy Butler. Sorry, uh, I've only watched the first five minutes <laughs> of a lot of Batman movies. Because <laughs> so you know I don't watch movies. I know about Batman. Because you don't know about movies. He's going to say the first crucial. five minutes of every Batman that's movie. That's a crucial backstory to Batman. It is. It's crucial. He always loses his parents. Even though they've changed up, it used to be the obsession with the Joker was the Joker killed his parents. Yeah. And now they've changed that up where the Joker didn't kill his parents. His parents were just killed by... You know, just some some heathens, some thugs on the street kind of stuff. So, that eh, yeah. changed up a little bit. Sorry if I spoiled something for somebody out there who hadn't seen any of the Batman. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Batman's parents are dead. <laughs> Someone yeah. says Patrick needs Jesus. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty darn. He was, it was accurate, though. It really it's was. accurate. It's part of the story. Very much part of the story. Uh, all right, let's get to Dylan Mitchell's story uh, because uh, Dylan Mitchell coming back to Texas, gentlemen, and I think everybody's excited about this, and why wouldn't you be? He did enter the NBA draft. Um, or at least submit his name, I should say, for the NBA uh, draft and went through the pre-draft process as well, uh, combine workouts. And there were a lot of people, including most of us, I thought, that pretty much thought it was a done deal um, and that he was going to go to the NBA or maybe get drafted in the second round. Um, and he had made his mind up. That was not the case because Dylan Mitchell is returning to the University of Texas. And uh, I think that basketball fans are more than thrilled. I mean, this is going to be a huge uh, piece that they're bringing back. And you're talking about a guy that's got a ton of upside. Um, one thing about the pre-draft process that he got people excited about was the potential for him to have an outside shot. And I believe yep. once he comes back here to Texas, that'll be one thing he's trying to check off the list that scouts probably gave him of uh, things they want him to improve on. And with Coach Terry, I'm sure that that's going to be a part of their overall 
identity offensively is Dylan Mitchell being someone who can be a threat uh, as an outside shooter. He didn't shoot not he didn't shoot one, not one three-point attempt. The not enti- one. <laughs> not one three-point <laughs> attempt in the entire 2022 season. Uh, even got this stat from uh, Horns 24-7 that you go look at it is he was 69 of 87 on what they call close twos or that within 10 feet of the basket. Um, so that's where he did most of his damage. Uh, from the free throw line just inside the three-point line, he was 7 of 32. So he didn't really you know, show that he could, he could be even a mid-range outside shooter if he adds that to his game, Harge, I think that could propel his draft stock potentially to make him a first round. How you like me now? He's back here making play. He's going to be able to make plays. He's going to add another element to his game. And this is going to make the Texas basketball team a team to be reckoned with. Me and Patrick were talking about this a little bit earlier. And, and it's like, remember, Texas didn't have players when Coach uh, Beard was here. There was only like, what, two players that were on the roster when he first got here, and then he created this roster. Everybody thought when Rodney Terry took over the position that, oh, my gosh, look at this, all these players are leaving. Oh, Lord, they're gone. We ain't going to be able to do anything. (laughs) Now, all of a sudden, he's got a full squad, and it seems to be even better with experience than what it was before. I know everybody's upset about Ron Holland. He didn't go to a different school. He went to the G League. He's making money. We uh, uh, AJ Johnson. He didn't go to another school. He went to a league where he can make money. Mm. Now you're bringing back some guys that were part of the Elite Eight. There's a lot of experience on this squad. Now you have an opportunity to build a great team and get after it. That's the most beautiful part for me is when you look at what Dylan Mitchell learned, what we learned mm-hmm. about him is that he can shoot a three. Now mm-hmm. it's different when you got a hand in your face and it's in a pressure situation. There's a lot of things that's going to be there. Yep. But we also know that now he has that in his arsenal. He has that in his bag. And I'm sure Coach Terry and all the other coaches on that staff got a chance to see that too and was like, all right, we got to let him go ahead and work on this because he did come back to us. Now let's see if we can feature this in part of his game and and spread the floor even more so. Because when you look at him, he's probably one of the most athletic players that you will see out there. Yeah, and I think that we're going to be able to see, and this is going to be go a lot to Rodney Terry developing his culture and developing yes. his style. Yes. So we know Chris Beard playing Chris fast. Beard wanted to win basketball games. He was not necessarily developing you for the next level. Now he was going to try and help you become a better player. Absolutely. He was going to help your defense. He wasn't not. He was not helping stopping your progression. But he was not going. I'm putting you in a style of offense that is going to get you drafted necessarily because mm. I want you to play way more defense. I want you to play a different style of offense. I like we're playing this style of basketball to win games. Yeah. Rodney Terry can find a medium ground in this where we want to play to win games. However, I know that I can now play a bigger lineup. Because I have some athletic bigs in Shedrick and Dylan DeSue and play Dylan Mitchell at the three, and if I play him at the three instead of the four where he played a lot of last year, it opens up Dylan Mitchell to fall into where he finds a much better chance to get drafted at a higher position. So the reports were that a lot of scouts had told him it would be better for you to go back to college for one more year because your maturity level as demanding the ball, as being a star, and being a guy who's going to go take it, wasn't quite where it needed to be. Too passive. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yeah. you need to go back. And so Rodney Terry has to work with him on that of, hey, man, we're going to put you out on the wing where they're going to play in the pros where it's going to give you a little bit more space. They're going to let you shoot some threes. Shoot your threes. 
because we think they're going to start falling. We know you're talented enough. We know you're going to work hard enough. You just got to start shooting them so you get the confidence up yep. and you can hit those. And we just need them at the end of the season because we'll be able to get through non-conference play pretty okay. And then when we get to conference play, I want you to be another step forward, another step forward. But once you get there, then we can work on driving the paint. But a 3 and D guy is what they want him to be. And this will be a huge test for Rodney Terry because if Rodney Terry can take Dylan Mitchell from a second-round, mid-second-round pick to a first-round pick and especially a mid-first-round pick, if he takes that and develops him into an NBA player, recruiting-wise, is huge. Because all those players that are thinking, well, G League's not really calling me, and I'm going to do a one-and-done and go to the second round, but I need to move up to the first round. I need to get up there. This coaching staff can develop me into that player, and that's how you get the type of players that you want to get. What Ron Holland was expected to be was around that guy in a mid-first-round pick. Yep. He bumped up to the top five, and when you're at that level, then you can go to the G League, and every they're focused on you. But if Dylan Mitchell went to the draft, win the draft right now, he's getting drafted. He will have a, a two-way contract at least. They're going to send him to the G League to, to get some work. But the problem is he's not – the GM isn't basing his career on Dylan Mitchell, right? Right. It's not a right. first-round pick. This is a guy that if, he, if it works out, awesome. But if he doesn't work out, whatever. Move on. It's a second-round yeah. pick. We just move on. So he's not going – he's not going to the G League coach every game and going, what's his report? They're not what invested. is he running in practice? They're not invested. They're going, in hey, man, I want to see his stat lines. I want to see some video. But I'm not – I don't need that. Mm. And if he goes to Texas, Texas is they've got only got a certain amount of guys to be invested in. Yep. And he needs to be a key piece of this team. I think if with this lineup you've got, he can play three starting for you next year instead of playing four with Timmy Allen gone. That's a huge step of building this team in a new way and helping him progress to where he needs to be. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, they're extremely athletic now in that front court with Dylan DeSue, Dylan Mitchell, Caden uh, Shedrick, as you guys brought up as, as well. I mean, they are that, – that's, that's a really just athletic overall front court. So your rim protection, your defense, your rebounding should be on point. Uh, what else does this roster need now, uh, guys? A, another wing? What do you need now? I think they're good. I mean, they can go out and now they can get some uh, complimentary piece. There's a guy from, I think, Creighton. Creighton, that, uh, Kaluma. Kaluma, who pulled himself out of the draft. That is, He said that he was going to be in the transfer portal. So if you can grab a guy like that. I'm all in for and, that. And he's but, an interesting he's an interesting guy because he's six seven two, kind of a wing player, but way more offensive. He's an offensive player, mm-hmm. not like his defense is where he's lacking. So at Texas is a question of does he want to come here to fix his defensive part of his game because that's what will help him get drafted higher? Yep. Or does he fit into what Texas wants to do at all? And they go, Well, we don't want to pick you up because we're not gonna be able to play you much. If you're not gonna be playing defense, you can't play in the Big Twelve. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, you know, right now, like I said, they don't have a, a ton of needs. They did address a lot in a short amount of time. As you pointed out, Harge, the roster really came together. I mean, quick. And yeah. <laughs> everybody was like, oh, my God, he's terrible. <laughs> Get him out of here. He can't keep players. They're doing all this. And it's like, we're not winning championships right now. You're not trying. You, you still have a lot of time to build your roster. And he built his roster up. And now look. Mm-hmm. Now everybody's like, uh-oh, Texas might be in the top five. Might be looking at Texas a little bit later, making another deep run in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Yeah, nope. take it easy. To get Dylan DeSue and Dylan Mitchell back. I think most of us <laughs> And Tyrese Hunter. And Tyrese Hunter. I think between those three, people thought you'd get one. 
out of those yeah. three, you end up getting all three of them. Get, Maybe, and two out of three at best, you end up getting all and three of them. And you get a Max Smith, who is one of the higher. Max so he wasn't a guy like Caleb Love or Hunter Dickinson <laughs> coming from a big program, but two coaches and on scouting list, he was a top transfer target. He was one of the top. Yeah, he's a top yes. three, top five transfer target. So you get you bring that in as well. You add a piece in Shedrick. You get the guy from UT Arlington. You get uh, the guy from UTEP. Uh, so you get a couple other pieces that are going to be there, and maybe one of them turns out to be good. You keep Brock Cunningham as a culture guy and a guy in there who's going to be able to, especially with this really athletic team, be able to use a little bit of force when you need, when you're playing mm-hmm. against a, you know, because guys like, and I know we're not playing against him, but like Zach Eady came back for Purdue. There's a lot of guys like that in the Big 12 uh, that you're going to have to bump with, and Brock Cunningham is going to be real good when you need someone to bump with him. Uh, all right, let's get to some of this sound from CDC on with Paul Feinbaum uh, before we uh, get to Harsh Knock Life. So he was on with Paul Feinbaum during their SEC spring meetings. He's been out there in Florida, and he was asked several questions. The first piece of audio, he was asked his thoughts about the SEC, just overall the culture of the SEC, just being around the coaches and the administrators for just a little while. Here is uh, Chris Del Conte. Well, what's interesting is because I, I, I've known because I, I significant a lot of the ads for his friends for a long, long time. But just to watch uh, Commissioner Sankey, uh, I've seen him from afar. But how he conducts business, how he involves coaches in, in decisions and administrators in decisions, it's just you hear about it until you're immersed in it, and you see what a, what an unbelievable leader he is, and uh, doesn't shy away from issues. Direct has conversations, his agendas, he keeps copious notes. Um, it is. Structurally, I've never seen anything like it. It's unbelievably impressive. Uh, so, and this kind of goes to hearts what I thought the reason, biggest reason was Texas moved to the SEC. And obviously, there's a lot of different factors. It was multifactorial. It was for the money. Uh, it was to go play against the best. Uh, recruiting was a part of it. All those different things. Um, but honestly, in a time, probably the most uncertain era in the history of college sports, with the transfer portal, free market hitting uh, amateurism and major college sports, and you have now NIL, and there's just so much um, uncertainty overall in college sports. You have to have leadership that has a clear, concise vision, a bold vision, and a plan to execute that vision. And Bob Bosby wasn't that guy. And did you want to hit your wagon in the most uncertain era in college sports <laughs> to the leadership of Bob freaking Bosby? No. Or you want to hit your wagon to Greg Sankey, who might be the boldest visionary right now in college sports? It's it's kind of ironic. That's I got a chance to uh, talk to Mr. Sankey twice in my life. Oh, like, nice. Both on an interview and – you talk about a forward thinker. Mm-hmm. He's somebody that pays attention, and he he definitely when he walks in a room, you know who he is. But he's not the one that you want to you you have to make sure that he he announces his presence. Right? He's a guy when he comes into the room, he's surveying everything, he's checking everything out, and he's also trying to figure out where do we go next, where is the next move, and he was already in motion for all of this because those are the types of things you can't put your head in the sand. You talked about your mark. We talked about your mark and what he's done already. He's been in a different arena to where he's kind of figured some things out. That's what Greg Sankey has done already as the SEC commissioner. Honestly, guys, 
Brett Yarmark's got some of that. I know he's only yeah, been on yeah. the job less than yeah. a year, but Brett Yarmark, he's sharp, man. They are all in the game. Yeah, he's a bold visionary, and that's what you need in this day and for age. For sure. Uh, we, don't, we don't have time for all these cuts. We'll get to some some more of them in the top of the 6 o'clock. But one more cut since we're talking about you know why Texas decided the SEC was their future home in sports. Um, here is CDC being asked by Paul Feinbaum what led Texas to the SEC. Here is a CDC. It was an unbelievable conversation with our chairman of the board and President Hartzell. And we had these conversations about what. And we looked at where Texas is originally, what, what matters to our fans, what matters to college athletics in general. And those conversations around leadership in the SEC is second to none. Every one of those programs are competing at the highest level. That's where we should be. That's where the University of Texas belongs, and we should be in that league. And when the conversation was ha- uh, was presented to Commissioner Sankey from our leadership team, and he offered this opportunity, it was there was no debate about the Big Ten, the Pac-12, anywhere else. It was if this is a possibility, this is where we should go. And it started with our Chairman of the Board and President Hartzell when we were just discussing what was going on in the landscape of college athletics, and they both said, "Is that possible?" And we, we'll find out. And it was possible. Mm. Isn't that crazy? Uh, it, it is crazy. I think we were all a little surprised when it happened. But it goes back to bold leadership with a vision. you got to be able to visual, visualize certain things, then way things are changing in your future. And if you don't, you're going to get passed by. Yeah, the Texas has now a holy trinity behind Bob the Bowlesby. scenes with, <laughs> thank you, not <laughs> with Jay Hartzell, yep. uh, Kevin L. Tyfe, yep. uh, Chris Del Conte, shout Chris Plonsky. Chris Plonsky. Uh, yep. uh, but the, the, the leadership behind the scenes at Texas right now is on point. And I think a lot of us would agree. Okay, one last cut because I know we got to get to Harsh Knock Life. This is actually, the, the question is in it. So this is Paul Feinbaum and Chris Del Conte kind of going at it. And they start talking about schedules a little bit later on. So here's the audio of Paul Feinbaum talking about how excited uh, the SEC is to have Texas. In, in terms of all these questions that come up, and I'm sure, you, I know you were asked or you, I know earlier, uh, you'll continue to be asked. Uh, anytime I'm visiting Texas, it's all about uh, the game. There's, there's a lot of games for Texas. Everybody wants to play Texas. Uh, I've talked to Arkansas people. I've talked to Missouri people. I've talked to, to obviously, Oklahoma and naturally A&M. What's going to happen? Uh, I don't know. What I'm really excited about is the fact that we get to have rival college football and your show specifically is all about embracing rivalries and the fans that embrace those rivalries. When you when you listen to your show and the call-ins, you go, who is that? <laughs> and they become fans of themselves, but they become great That's personalities, great. right? You look at us. For us, uh, playing Arkansas again is, is so awesome. Coach Broyles and, and, and DKR retired on the same day in sure 1976. Did. The Arkansas games mattered to our fan base so much in the 60s and 70s. A&M, we've been playing A&M uh, forever. You got Oklahoma. You have Missouri from the old uh, Big 12 days. But across the board, we've had great games at LSU. I mean, we just Alabama game last year was great. But for us to elevate ourselves to the programs we're playing and to come back to our rivals, that's what college sports is all about. And for Texas, uh, we know who we are uh, um, at all times. But the fact that we get a chance to take our our brand or who we are in the, in the, into the SEC and compete at the highest level, uh, we are excited about that opportunity and thankful that we were given that opportunity. 
All right, there you go. CDC talking about the SEC. He said he was splitting time, too. He said he's zooming into the Big 12 meetings that are happening right now while at the SEC spring meetings. That's a ball. That's a ball to move right yeah, there. That's and how you, you're supposed to do. And it. you know, and, and Paul Feinbaum said, did, did, "Do they like that?" He's like, "No, they don't like. <laughs> they that don't at like all. that at all." <laughs> the Big Twelve is not happy about no. it. But they, but they don't like me, no ways. <laughs> exactly. Basically, what he was saying is like, you know, I got to be there, and they know I got to be they there. They're already so. kicking me out. And pretty much, yeah, he's yeah. on his way out, and happily, happily on his way out. All right, what you got coming up on Harsh Knock Life? We got Coach J.T. Blair of the Westlake <laughs> Chaparrales. If they're trying to defeat San Antonio Johnson, it starts tonight at seven o'clock, and we got him here. Coming up in just a minute. All right. Uh, we'll come back. We'll get into Harsh Knock Life talking some hardball with Hardball. Right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 The Horn. Ladies and gentlemen, guys and dolls, the main event of the evening for your entertainment and pleasure. Mike, you have to be so combative. Now, I probably wouldn't say this in front of white folks. But in front of y'all, I'm gonna speak my mind. He has emotional anger issue problem. Hey, are you Dirty Mike and the boys? I'm Mike Lowry. Michael! Oh, that's funny. Michael! Welcome back to a new theme Thursday edition of Ball Don't Lie. And the new theme is about the NBA Finals and how each song has something to do with what's going on in the NBA Finals. But uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Hardball Hard. You can follow my man Rob Babers at Rob Babers. And you can follow my man behind the glass, Patrick Davis, at It's Patrick Davis. We also love it when you're a part of the show, so hit us up on the Specs text line. 512-337-3776. And joining us on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline is someone that's ready to get into the finals. It will be going on tonight and tomorrow and possibly Saturday. But joining us on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline is the head coach of the West Lake Chaparrales, our man, Coach J.T. Blair. Coach, how you doing today? How you guys? You guys doing all right? We're doing doing good. We're doing good. We're excited for you guys. We're excited for all the teams here that are still in the mix, whether it's the Taylor Ducks who got the win yesterday, the Rouse uh, Raiders that are continuing to play, but, of course, the Westlake Chaparrales. you got a big challenge coming up this week, uh, starting with the San Antonio Johnson baseball team, one of the best teams in the state of Texas. They have actually – Taking out teams from your district, they took out Bowie. They also took out Lake Travis, and now they're making the trip back to Austin as well. What can you tell us about San Antonio Johnson? I can tell you this. It's June the 1st, and the Westlake Chaparrales are still in, in the Texas State baseball playoffs, baby. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So tell us uh, about what's good. going they're on with lot, them. They're a, they're, a, they're a lot like we are. You know, they're, they're very athletic. Uh, they run the base as well. Um, they they don't have any guys on the mound that, that blow you away, but they got some guys that that know how to get out. I mean, they're they're very similar to to what we are. You know, I'm, this is going to be a good series, guys. Yeah, I'm excited to check that out. I'll be over there tonight to check out the first game for sure. And uh, you guys have been through some battles as well. I mean, we can talk about San Antonio Johnson being 33-5-2, and two, but you guys have got a school record 38 wins, 38-4. and four. You've gone through some tough uh, teams as well, going up against Round Rock and being able to get out of uh, – out of that situation and continuing to go on, going down to the Valley against Eagle Pass. But talk, talk about your squad and what's been going on with them and how they continue to fight. You know, the good thing was we, we, we slept last week. We only, only played two games. You know, we got to save some arms and save some legs. You get to this point in the playoffs, everybody's starting to get a little tired, you know, and 
and the bodies are wearing down a little bit. But um, we've we've been pretty fortunate that that we've had some series that only went that, that only went two games. We, we have had one series out of the four that went to full three games, and and uh, we're fortunate in in that regard. But uh, but I'll tell you this, you know, we're going to be ready to go tonight. We've had a great week of preparation. Um, you know, we've kept practices loose. Our guys are confident, and we're just ready to go. We're ready to get it on. Well, talk about that too, Coach. We're talking to head coach of the Westlake Chaparrales, uh, J.T. Blair. Coach, you're talking about it, and you brought it up just a second ago. It's June 1st. Your guys are in this uh, big uh, game, big series coming up starting tonight. But this is something that your guys have been preparing for for a long time. I know you got a senior-led group. But a lot of these guys, by this time, they've already started their summer league baseball. So this is just a continuation of what they would be doing later. But now they're doing it for their high school. You know, I, I had to I had to call all the, all those coaches and say, hey, you know, uh, my guys aren't going to be with you for a while. You know, <laughs> so they're going to stay with the they're going to stay with the Shaps, and you're going to have to do without them. So um, you know, they're they're used to playing in June. They they kind of they get the motor running when it when it gets hot. So. Uh, you know, our, all of our guys do that, and and, and so they're, they're used to it, and, and our guys are ready to compete tonight. Well, you know what I love about your squad, Coach, is uh, the competing on the mound. You got Ch- Chance Covert going to be on the mound tonight, but also your defense. Your defense is they bring the glove love out there every single time, and then to get a chance to be in front of your home fans. What, what should folks expect tonight? I know they're going to go out there and play hard, but I know y'all got some great fan support that comes out and uh, support these kids. Man, you guys got to get over here tonight. They, they brought in extra bleachers. I mean, uh, they, got, they got bleachers down the lines. I mean, it's going to be an absolute madhouse tonight over here at Westlake Nation. I can promise you that. But, um, you know, we've been playing great defense all year. Um, that's, that's one of our signatures. Um, our guys on the mound throw strikes and and give us a chance to to make plays and and our guys make plays you know so I mean I think we were the the two games against Eagle Pass um, that's that's two of the best defensive games we played all year and and um, luckily that hopefully that holds true this this series too. So as a coach, when you're sitting there mentally preparing for this, how much film do you and your staff? kind of break down. I know we, we, we understand what film study is all about and, and going through it is at this point of the year, it's pretty much, Hey, our guys have been doing this. We're going to continue to do this. But when you look at the film of the other teams, what are some of the things that you are trying to pick up? Well, we're focusing on our strengths, right? Yep. I mean, we're doing the, we're not going to, we're going to stay true to what we do. And, and um, you know, uh, as Coach Dodge used to say, the hay's in the barn, right? The hay's in the barn Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and on Thursday you got to get ready to go. But we've looked at so much video. I mean, there's the the great thing about uh, baseball these days you don't have to hardly send send people to to watch somebody. You can you can just pick it up on on YouTube. I yeah. mean, it's all over the place. So, I mean, we've we've watched video after video after video, and and we we you know we picked up a lot of good things. They're a good team. You know, this is going to be a good series, guys. What have you seen from their starting pitching? I know you said that they're not going to blow you away, but they can spot pitches. Do they have lefty-righty combinations, or is it all one side of the mound? All one side of the mound, the right-handers. Uh, they've got a guy that's a lot like Nathan Duval. He just competes. He battles. 
you know, he's not a 93, 94 guy, but, um, but, but they, they just compete. You know, they throw strikes. They, they're, they're so similar to, to, to us. You know, I, I'll say they're well coached. You know, um, uh, Coach Gazelle does a great job over there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, they're, they're all very similar to the Chaparral. So I'm going to tell you that. Well, if you can get athletic. up. If you can get out to the ballpark, make sure you get over to the Westlake Nation. They're excited. They they brought in extra bleachers, so you'll have a place to sit. Right. And I know Coach Blair is going to have that team fired up. Uh, Coach, we want to wish you guys good luck and keep representing. And hopefully, as we talked about before, maybe I can get you back on next week. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. Get on down here, man. Get your hot dog. Get you some peanuts. Enjoy the show. It's going to be great. I can't wait. I can't wait. There he is, Coach J.T. Blair Thanks, Coach. of the Westlake Chaparrales. Right, He's guys. getting ready for his big game tonight as they take on San Antonio Johnson. San Antonio Johnson, 33-5. and 33-5-2, and two, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And Westlake Chaparrales, 38-4. and four. I think this is the first game in the playoff series that they've actually – had the first game at their place, okay. too. Yeah. So it's a little bit different. And what I was told is they play tonight at home, tomorrow at uh, San Antonio, and then if there is a game three, they're going to play that at San Antonio – I mean, San Marcos High School. Okay. Because Texas State was already booked with something else, and the dish obviously is not going to work out, so they're okay. moving them to San Marcos High School. All right, yeah. I mean, he's he seems like you know he's done. Uh, he he's he's confident in his team, of course. But that team, he talks about them being kind of like Westlake. Yep. So it's going like, to be a scrappy, like, scrappy baseball game. If you look at uh, some of the scores of Johnson's games, they won uh, against Bowie. One of the games was two to nothing. Mm-hmm. The second game was twelve to three against Lake Travis. They lost the first game one to nothing. Then they came back and beat Lake Travis one to nothing in nine innings, no. and then beat them seven to one. And then they lost against uh, Far San Juan Alamo five to four. Then beat them four to two and eight to five. So wow. it's a it's a scrappy looking baseball team. And I talked to a couple buddies of mine that have coached against these kids and coached some of these kids. And he said the same thing. They're pretty much the exact same team as Westlake. So it's mm-hmm. a bend and don't break, and whoever plays the best defense. Yeah. Uh, no, that's uh, like I said, coaches, because he sounds confident. <laughs> he he sounds does sound confident. About it, man. And he is. He's intense, man. But you can tell this team plays with that intensity, rubs off on his team. Uh, so we'll get into some, some more, hopefully, uh, some more updates on uh, Westlake that are positive ones about them moving on. All right, we'll no, no. come back and get into the, uh, the off the record uh, segment of the program. There are a couple of stories we got to address off the record. There's some breaking news also in the sports yep. world that we also have to address. So we'll throw that into off the record. And we'll discuss that as well. All of that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 The Horn. DD Mega Doodoo. I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get a break, man. It's cold. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of. Off the record. Do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. Uh, we'll get to the breaking news here in just a second, just so we officially make it an off the record segment. Uh, I did read in Deadline, gentlemen, that I can't believe this is true, but it is. 
Will Ferrell is is right now scheduled to be the star in a John Madden theatrical feature. Come on, man. Directed uh, for Amazon, and he's going to play John Madden. He's not going to be in it. They say he's going to supposed to play John Madden. That's crazy. See? Has he is he gained a lot of weight or something? Did I miss that? That's no. the whole thing. But that doesn't it doesn't matter. They just wanted a star attached to it. Yeah, but a likeness maybe. I know I know makeup and you know wardrobe can do amazing yeah. things and CI you know, CGI all kinds of. But really, Will Ferrell, you can find yeah. anybody out there that has a, the likeness. I know overweight actors are not the 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 rage anymore. Like they don't have a lot of overweight actors. Period. Yeah. Even overweight actors, they take like Ozempic now, or something and they get skinny. Now, if we're talking young John Madden, Will Ferrell's not that far off of that. No, but John Madden was bigger. Like he's just a bigger man. Yeah. I don't know how big. I know and John, Will Ferrell is tall. Yeah. But I don't know if he's big, like husky. He might have to. Be, might, they husky. might put one on them suits on him. Let me go look at look up young. They're gonna they're gonna whale him. They're gonna they're gonna yeah. <laughs> they're gonna do it. They're gonna they're gonna put a little husky. on I him. saw that movie, man. The whale. It was depressing, but it was actually pretty good. Depressing but good. If I that need makes to watch sense. that. It's actually yeah. It was depressing but good. I see he won best actor for it too, which uh, was really because I think it was more the makeup and the wardrobe than anything. But a young John Madden, maybe Patrick Wright, maybe uh, Will Ferrell can play a young John Madden. Mm, I would. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, even a young John Madden looks husky. I'm looking at That's him what now. I'm saying. He's yeah. still huskier. Yeah, you still got to get a little husky. I thought Jesse Plemons. Is Jesse Plemons? Is that the name of him? You ever see, you seen Love and Death? No, this I haven't new seen show it. lately. Oh, no, no, no. I, I know you know who you're talking Jesse about, Plemons. though. You mentioned it's for, and it's a dead on. It's the best fit. Jesse Plemons is probably, and he's, but, he's chunky. But I think the deal is this is supposed to be a comedy. Oh, uh, okay. If Will Ferrell's playing him, I don't think they're hiring Will Ferrell to make this a serious movie, and they it got Will Ferrell. Can't be. No, I think they're going to do this a s- extremely comedy, like slapstick kind of movie. Well, I don't know if they they're not going to do John Madden any. They're not going to do. I it, doubt they will. They're not going to do his legacy any justice, in my opinion. They're going to do it justice. My, if they my do guess a is this will be closer to what Showtime was for Jerry Buss. Uh, okay. All with right. John C. Riley, where it's like, look, that. this is going to be a way more tongue-in-cheek kind of experience of it, because it's supposed to be talking about the the video game, right? It's not it's not about Madden's full life; it's about the video game. Okay. So this is kind of like air of it's only focused on one. Which part means of he's going to play older Madden. He's got well, not play, older, older Madden, because it's still like he's going to play older after I'm done coaching Madden. That's video yeah, game but it's still like 1989 Madden. I think was it when it's like late or maybe early 90s Madden. Mm. So it's still it's still not. It's it's Madden that's on the first cover of Madden, Madden. But he's not playing Coach Madden, and Coach Madden is the younger version yes. of Madden, who we said is maybe he can pull that off. He can't pull off older Madden. No, he's got to put on, you know, maybe oh. he'll just start eating. <laughs> right? Maybe I he has makeup, started eating. The, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe the, Like I said, maybe the makeup's really good. I, I don't know. That's a weird one, but maybe he's trying to, maybe he's trying to branch out. But uh, as you said, if it's going to be a slapstick comedy, then I get Will Ferrell can definitely pull off the comedic aspect. Yeah. Of it. I'm just worried about the likeness of John Madden. How can I take it seriously? It's like when Kevin James played like Sean Payton in that movie. That was not serious. That's kind of what I'm picturing, guys. Yes. <laughs> and I, I don't want to picture that. Yeah. It, it, am I, right? Don't you have that uh, in I, mind? I, I definitely Kevin have that James in my mind. Playing. And someone said it's not a comedy. Hey, it's, yeah, it's Sean Payton. Like he does not look anything like Sean Payton. My, my guess is this is going to be like Air was. 
Okay, yeah, it's about the about the making of something like uh, like they, they did they had a movie about Tetris recently yeah. that I watched. So the air well, movie. How was that? They're having a movie about flaming hot Cheetos or something, right? Wait, how was Tetris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're having a yeah. flaming hot Cheeto yeah. movie come out. Tetris was actually pretty good. Okay, it wasn't bad. Okay, I I would I'd recommend it. It was pretty good. Okay. I enjoyed it. It was yeah. a fun movie experience. It was definitely one of my favorite yeah. games to play. Yeah, and that the movie kind of gives you the background on you know how it became a phenomenon and yep. everything like that. Okay, uh, but yeah, so see, some people saying it's not a comedy. It better be a comedy because have we? How often have we seen Will Ferrell play in dramatic movies? He hasn't made that kind of turn. Some actors have done that. They've made the the turn from you know comedic. Actor to physical comedian to yeah, dramatic Will actor. Done it. Tom Hanks has famously done it. People forget Tom Hanks. Will, Will Ferrell did booked. it in several movies. Tom he Hanks tried is. to make that turn, but it didn't really take. Also, what is what is the dramatic edge of John Madden? Is it just him being like, I don't want to get on a plane flight? Like he didn't have a super dramatic life of that point. You know what I mean? Why not? Like I think it has to be kind of funny. And when I say comedy, I don't mean it's going to be Step Brothers, but I think it's going to be funny wigs. Things like that, what's where going, it's what's going where it's like to where you're like, hey, remember the '90s? Weren't they crazy? Yeah, no, I, I I'm gonna watch it, like I said, but now I don't really have high hopes for it. But we'll see. I will see if Will Ferrell. Maybe it'll Will Ferrell will shock us in his portrayal of John Madden. We'll see. Okay, uh, the breaking news, gentlemen, that came down right when I believe right when Coach was on with us, uh, yep. the news broke, and we'll dive deeper into it in the five o'clock hour. The SEC has settled on a scheduling format for 2024 when Texas and Oklahoma will enter into SEC play. And uh, it's going to be the eight-game format. Yep. They decided to remain at eight league games in 2024 when Oklahoma and Texas joined the SEC. Um, There will be no divisions in the SEC, 16 teams and only eight league game schedules. And this is considered an interim solution, pledging to continue studying the issue before a final vote, a final, final vote ahead of college football expansion in 2026. Yeah, and that's because I do think the Ross Dellinger theory, conspiracy theory, that it's all about money. And they believe the extra game, the extra ninth game as opposed to the eight-game format, Mm nine-game format, that the extra game is worth $5 million per school, and they would like ESPN to pony up that extra $5 million. And if they're not going to pony up the extra money, why the hell are we going to give them an extra game, an extra SEC game? Nope. And then I think they believe they'll pay for it later on. They can negotiate it later on. But we, the fans, lose out. We definitely lose out. Because now you get one main rival, and for Texas, it better that's Oklahoma. Be. No, it's, it's not. Oh, it that's be. right. It, it'd be that's Oklahoma. Right. That's it. That's it. For Texas, the main rival will be Oklahoma. Ugh. And for AM, the hope is that the SEC schedulers will just give Texas and Texas AM. They will somehow put them in the schedule that they will be part of the rotating seven each year until what you say, 2026? 2026. So make AM a part of the rotating seven every year until 2026. I like so it. that Texas and Texas AM can play. I if like they it. don't do that, then this is an epic, tragic fail. 100%. By the SEC. Oh, yes. Say, come on, man. They so absolutely wait failed on this 2026 until yes. we see Texas and Texas a play again? And, that, and, and that's probably what Ross Bork is talking about right now. He's like, yeah, man, let's put that off till 2026. We, don't, we, don't, we could care less about Texas, so don't put them on our schedule. 
And it's like, bro, you need to have Texas on your schedule. Yeah, Texas yeah. need to have you on their schedule. Agreed. Oh, you can you can put it on there, but only at College Station. Every other year at College Station, <laughs> we never go there. Oh yeah. yeah, that's a big that's a there's that's a big discussion about where does the rivalry renew again? Yeah, where do you rekindle it? In Aggieland or in Austin, I believe bragging rights for both sides is it ended in Aggieland, the last one there. Yeah. Um, so I think they want to start yes. there again. A and M has said uh, A and M's idea said that uh, it will start in College Station when it resumes, if it resumes. And CDC has said, <laughs> I haven't heard any discussions on that. I don't know what it'll be. So, okay. so. Yeah. Aggies acting like eggs. They've already they've already bought the they've already bought the series resumes uh, banner they're going to put up. <laughs> series resume banner they're going to put up in uh, mission accomplished. Yeah, for the Aggies. series resume back. <laughs> mission accomplished. Yeah, for, for Texas A and M. No, I I hope they get it together. And I hope they actually make them part of the rotating seven. It's time for Texas and Texas A and M to play again. We'll discuss that uh, in a little bit more depth. We'll probably do it in Rod's round the day. We got NBA Finals breakdown coming up next segment. We'll preview Miami Heat at Denver Nuggets. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 The Horn.